Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We are in 2 Peter, exploring biblical prophecy in this action-packed epistle from our first pope. And in this episode, we're looking at the neglected antidote to false prophets and teachers. What St. Peter does very uniquely, rather than simply slamming the false teachers and false prophets, he does that. He does that as we go further into this epistle. But unlike many today who are going on and on about the false teachers, they're not offering solutions to combat that false teaching. They're not offering the biblical solutions that empower the believer to withstand that. And as we approach the end, we don't know when that is, but we do know that everything about the false teachers and the false prophets will multiply and intensify. So this teaching in 2 Peter chapter 1 is more valuable as time goes on. I'm going to start with verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, that through these you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of passion and become partakers of the divine nature. Now, I'm hoping that I left at least some of you scratching your heads in the last episode when I started discussing in a very brief period of time the profound topic of becoming partakers of the divine nature. And you think, well, how can I really dive into that? Well, the way you dive into that is what I'm calling our neglected antidote to false prophets and false teachers, which is our topic today. It says that his divine power comes to us through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory. I did a word search on knowledge in Second Peter, and it's like knowledge, 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 knowledge. Knowledge seemed to be the key to resisting the false teachers. It says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Uh, he's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Goes to the next verse, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self control. For if these things are yours and abound, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then this is how the epistle opens, so to speak. And for a bookend, the epistle is ending in 2 Peter 3.17. Therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, beware lest you be carried away by the error of lawless men and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. So the antidote to living through an age of apostasy is knowledge. Now, before you rush out and approach your church council and say, we need some building projects for new and expanded classrooms for religious education, which are great, don't get me wrong, but I would urge you to wait and take a very deep breath and answer a question for me about our first pope, who so strongly and repeatedly and urgently describes the necessity of having the knowledge of God, not in a theoretical manner, but the knowledge of God being the antidote for falling into the traps set by the false teachers and false prophets. So here's the question I would like to ask before you begin your classroom building project. What seminary, college, or religious school did St. Peter attend? Where was the classroom where St. Peter grew in the knowledge of God? He obviously had it. He, he had it. And he was trying to convey that to Christians so that they wouldn't fall. And we need to know what this is. And if you're a mom and a dad, your children are going to need to know what this is so they don't join the majority, the two-thirds majority of young people in the church that are falling away in their teens and late teens and young adulthood. This is critical. All right. So did St. Peter go to seminary? Nope. Did he go to college? Not as far as I know. Any religious schools? Nope. Okay. So if you're driving, pull over, okay, safely, pull over and turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. This is pretty important, okay, because if this is critical for this eternal welfare of your children, and I'm not going to spend time trying to build the case we're living in perilous times, times of apostasy from the faith, you need to know about Acts 4.13. And it says this, when they saw the boldness of Peter, that's the author of this epistle, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they wondered, ah, and then they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. That was their education. That was their spiritual formation, the core of their spiritual formation. We think, oh, it has to do with the right textbook, the right CD, the right seminar, the right school, the right... No, the core is that they have been with Jesus. And that's why this kind of unique phrase, partakers of the divine nature... The knowledge of what St. Peter is talking about, coming to know God in a way that you are with God, that partakers of divine nature, because, yes, Jesus is gone, but this, this hasn't escaped us, because Peter is recommending what he experienced to Christians before he died, because he knew things were going to get rough. And when things are rough, you have to pay a lot of attention, go back to the blueprint, and it's a type of knowledge that's a result of a first-hand contact with God. And that phrase of that first-hand contact is partakers of the divine nature. Now, 
in Mark, Jesus calls the disciples. And what's the task of a disciple? He called them, according to Mark 3.14, to be with him. That's what being a partaker of the divine nature is all about. This is a personal relationship with Jesus on steroids and nuclear power and rocket fuel. This is this is the power that can oppose all of the darkness in the world, but it's not theoretical knowledge, and it doesn't come from what you would call traditional classroom instruction. Now, Peter probably never read a sentence of Aristotle or Plato, and yet he knew God personally, directly, and immediately he knew God firsthand. It, he, he didn't have what I call a secondhand Christianity. His faith didn't come out of a textbook. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a, against Christian education, classroom education, seminary education. I treasure all of this stuff. But there's something more about the Christian life that comes secondhand, and it's available to us to have a firsthand contact with God. And when you're living in times of apostasy, that doesn't become a nice option for maybe a monk in a monastery somewhere. No, it becomes necessary for all of us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 14, it's the middle of a big feast. All the people are there. They're obviously eyeing Jesus. And in the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. And yet the Jewish leaders saw, saw him and marveled at it, saying, how is this man has learning when he's never studied? Well, Jesus was one with the Father. And one of the reasons he came and became man while remaining God so that we might share the relationship with God that he had with God. This is big stuff, very big stuff. And a lot of bright, very well-educated Catholics look for the basis of knowledge in something other than participating in the divine nature, something other than a close relationship with God himself. I am looking right now at an icon of St. Simeon, a, a saint in the Orthodox Church. He lived around the year 1000, and he is one of only three saints in the uh, Orthodox Church that's given the title, the New Theologian. He's recognized as one of the less than a handful of outstanding theologians in the entire Orthodox Church. Where did he go to seminary? What religious school did he attend? What PhD thesis did he write? It's like St. Peter. He had none of it. He was known for his intimate relation with God. He experienced this participation and knowledge of God so much that he glowed. They, they couldn't handle him in his monastery, and they kicked him out for a while. But his, his insistence that this was available not just to monks and clerics, but for all Christians— so what we want is a type of knowledge that St. Peter is talking about. It's not abstract philosophical knowledge. It's not pious rhetoric or even seminary studies. And again, I'm speaking as one who deeply values my seminary education. 
but rather this is a relational knowledge brought about as a result of the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is fully God. He's not just a impulse that like a, a lightning strike or something, but the Holy Spirit is God, and he brings to us the grace of God, the life of God, so that we can participate in the life of God and withstand what's going on in our world. And even more important, probably the most important thing at this moment in human history for Christian parents is that this is the equipment we need to give our children. And this is why the value of retreat centers and camps and campfires and a friendship lodge and a fireplace and things like that are maybe more fitting settings to try to convey this to young people because it's absolutely critical. Because knowing God in this way transforms our lives. Knowing God in this way involves partaking of the divine nature. And it's not just knowing about God in abstract and maybe even a dead faith that leaves a person vulnerable to the false teachers and prophets. Pope Benedict, certainly not a mindless mystic, a beautiful, incredible, intelligent pope, articulate, well-read, well-studied, said this, knowing Christ, true God and true man, is an encounter not with an idea or a project in life, but with a living person who transforms our innermost selves, revealing to us our true identity as children of God. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 291 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.